this this time we should be hysterical. Oh, yeah, we hopefully. We yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. So, well, <laughs> you're hysterical. Oh, yeah, funny looking, maybe. So, uh, as y'all might have guessed, what is our topic today? It's humor. Ah, humor. Yeah. So, would you uh, levity? Levity. Levitating. No, should, levity. Should we, should we introduce ourselves? First? Oh, right. No, that would be funny. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> so my name is Brad Donovan. I'm an elder at Christ Covenant Church here in Grand Prairie, and uh, I am delighted, delighted, to talk about the jokes. Ah, Jamie Souls here. I, uh, I, I love well, I, dad jokes. You know, my, my kids, uh, my kids have grown up. Uh, Mm, poor things. You know, shaking their heads and putting their hand over their <laughs> eyebrows. But now they behave properly and do those themselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Nathan Zeckfeld, and I'm the pastor in Christ Covenant Church. And uh, I've got a three-year-old, so dad jokes don't really work yet. Not yet. No. <clears throat> but practice, though. Practice. Yeah. Practice, yeah. even yeah. though, even now. So you'll be uh, you'll be geared up when when the time comes. <laughs> yes, the main thing. With, the main thing with the dad joke is delivery, right? It it must be delivered. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I guess with just being a dad to a three year old, I'm just not all that funny yet. So it'll happen. This this podcast might fall flat. Yep. Yeah, we're not trying to be funny so much as talk about it. Anyway. All right, shall I humor you and uh, begin with an introduction? Yes. All right, I have been given the task of introducing the topic of humor. Now, you should know before I kick off this this discussion that I am a Calvinist, and that's not funny in and of itself. (laughs) Calvinists don't dance, they don't laugh, and they don't smile, and we don't go with girls who do. We don't eat, we don't chew, and we don't go with girls who do. <laughs> now, add to that. That's not how that joke goes. <laughs> now, add to that. I am also of third generation Dutch ancestry. Ah, wooden and, shoes, wooden head, and wouldn't listen. Yeah. <laughs> now, that gives me a double dose of what you might call the, quote, grim factor. Even without a bovink-like beard, I still have the grim factor. I'm pretty smooth chin for a Dutchman. My favorite book of the Bible is Lamentations, and my favorite communicable attribute of God is his wrath. (laughs) Actually, forgive me. I'm beginning off with sarcasm, and they say that sarcasm is the lowest form of humor. So this podcast just got off to a really, really bad start. (laughs) One thing that you'll come to know if you join one of our Bible studies or our gatherings here at Christ Covenant Church is that we like to rib each other or josh each other. Mm -hmm. We are part of Knox Presbytery and the Creck Churches, Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches. And these ecclesiastical functions are, of course, distinctly marked by a level of seriousness appropriate to an ecclesiastical function, but they are also interspersed with constant doses of levity to uh, keep the mood light. Mm Mm-hmm. But how important is this to being a church, or how important is humor to being a church and to the mission of the church? What kind of humor is off-color and even bad? I've often read through lists of Christian disciplines and practices that will definitely include prayer and Bible reading, but they rarely include humor. How important is humor to the Christian life? Does God want us to laugh? Does God ever laugh himself? Can laughter make you a stronger and more mature Christian? Now, I would argue with Luther and other Christians of old that laughter is part of our warfare against the devil. 
Luther once wrote, the best way to drive out the devil, if he will not yield to texts of scripture, is to jeer and flout him, for he cannot bear scorn. <laughs> and so Luther would often joke about flatulence with, uh, in relation to the devil. Uh, that means that he would make fart jokes about yeah. Satan. Yeah, sorry, that, that was a big word. Yes. All right. St. <laughs> Thomas More also quipped, the devil, that proud spirit, cannot endure to be mocked. G.K. Chesterton continued this great tradition of godly and raucous humor, saying angels can fly because they can take themselves lightly. This has always been the instinct of Christendom and especially the instinct of Christian art. There's a difference between Christian and pagan art. Mm -hmm. For solemnity flows out of men naturally, but laughter is a leap. It is easy to be heavy. It is hard to be light. Satan fell by force of gravity. While referring to dance more than laughter, we should see that dance is a form of levity. St. Augustine once said through his long flowing beard, I praise the dance, O man, learn to dance or else the angels in heaven will not know what to do with you. <laughs> so, Brad, yes. I'll pass this off to you and you can start with a dad joke. Oh, a dad, oh I forgot to write down a dad joke. Oh. So, one of my favorites, okay. one of my children sitting at the table having eaten a full plate of something, mm -hmm. will turn inevitably to my wife and say, Mom, I'm hungry. And then I'll say, Hi, hungry, I'm dad. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a loud groan. <laughs> yeah, and then my children are like, oh, Dad, you're, you're not cool, Dad. <laughs> All right, so joking, joking. We're all laughing and having a good time. All joking aside. All joking aside. Let's get serious about fun. Mm. <laughs> mm. Well, and that's the whole point of dad jokes, right? Yeah. Is it's supposed to get teenagers and, and smaller children to take themselves less seriously. Yeah, because there is nothing that take, there's no person in all of God's creation that takes themselves so seriously more than a teenager. Mm. <laughs> like, what else is, is middle school angst? Except yeah. taking yourself like, seriously. Taking yourself seriously. Way too seriously. Especially, oh, yeah. and there is nothing worse than taking yourself seriously when you have no accomplishment to back it up. Right. Right? Uh, and I find the older I get, the more accomplished I've been, and the more I just, I don't, yeah, I don't care. I'm, I, just, <laughs> just smile. All is vanity and crap yeah. after wind. All is vanity and a shepherding <laughs> after the wind. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Enjoy yourself and, and the wife of your youth. Uh, <laughs> yes, enjoy her. Uh, so the um, the humor, the humor that is incipient in the human heart, is a reflection of God creating man in His own image. God is the original humorist. Yes, I'm sure that's the case. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is we're gonna we're gonna find some some jokes in the Bible, and uh, we're gonna talk about them, uh, and talk about the nature of humor in the modern age, because there's something very interesting happening. And I want to point it out and see if, uh, if y'all agree. The, uh, the modern apologists or prophets of secularism, uh, statism, and all the isms, right. are the stand-up comedians. So, so, so not, the, not the scientists? No. So Dawkins, nobody actually really pays attention to Dawkins, for example. At okay. least on a street level. Yeah, well, even, even on the intellectual level, nobody's quoting Dawkins. Nobody goes on uh, TikTok, Instagram, or YouTube and looks up Dawkins videos because the man is not uh, funny. He's not engaging. He is not, no. At uh, least not comparatively speaking. 
compared to David Chappelle. <laughs> right. Or Bill Burr or Joe Rogan or those guys, right? There, there's, a, there's a crowd of, of these comics that are really quite popular right now. But it is the comedian that is the prophet of the modern age. So uh, one of the reasons why a guy like Chappelle can critique wokeness is because he shares their basic assumptions. So it's a criticism from an ally. Right. So he's actually building their temple. He's, he's one of their prophets. Uh, the, um, like many of the, uh, the things that we, we look at and we're like, man, this is a detestable part of our culture, is buttressed or supported not intellectually by the, the highbrow, right. but by the comedian. Hmm. Uh, you look at the uh, the intellectual horsepower of a guy like Joe Rogan, right? He's not necessarily the smartest guy in any room, but he will always have the smartest guy in the room, right? And give him a microphone. Mm-hmm. So any anybody with a um, with with a message that Rogan finds compelling, he brings on, right? And then he interviews him, and he's a very good conversationalist. Uh, you won't, and, and on his show, he'll he'll joke, right? There's a lot of joking and laughing. He does the stand-up comedy as well. Like, that was how he got started. But he'll bring in comics. He'll bring in intellectuals. He'll bring in secular, other secular apologists. And they have a conversation. And they make this whole thing very appealing. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, he's not bringing in uh, Christian pastors, partly because he, they're not his crowd. But partly also, he's part of the vanguard of, of the secularist. Mm-hmm. So... That man really needs to have Doug Wilson on his show. I would love that. <laughs> that would be hysterical. That would be great. Um, if, if, you want, if you want to see two guys having a good time uh, with a conversation, mm-hmm. uh, the sweater vest dialogues with James White and uh, Doug Wilson are really quite humorous. Like they rib each other constantly about baptism. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> And they both don't take them, their own position all too seriously in yeah. the process. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they don't take themselves seriously. They both uh, honestly and honorably believe what they believe. Yes, they take their positions seriously. That's right, It's yeah. just not yeah. themselves that they take seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's a good distinction. And, and so you've got, this, um, you've got these two men. They're older men. They've, uh, they act like uh, happy-hearted warriors, and they're having a good time. So the, um, the scripture gives us a lot of room for joking, because there's a lot of joking God does here. <clears throat> so where's uh, where's some of the funnies? Well, where should we start? Where should we start? I'm sure there's some earlier stuff than what I have run across. Oh, here's one. Oh, uh, yeah. Thinking about the Tower of Babel. Mm, yes. Uh, if you remember uh, the the people gathering together, uh, gathering in order to build a tower with its top in the heavens, mm. and we're trying to make a name for ourselves. We're, we're working hard together at this. And then in, uh, in <laughs> Genesis 11, verse 5, you know, with all, with all their, their efforts to build a tower with its top in the heavens, well, where's God? Oh, right? he's God, above that. God is in, in the heavens, right? <laughs> but, but God, it says, the lo- and the Lord came down <laughs> to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. <laughs> yeah. They were trying to get the top up into the heavens, yeah. and God still, well, he had to come down to see what they yeah. were doing. <laughs> he's like, what's going on down uh, there? It wasn't oh. like he just had to look over and see, oh, there's 
piece of man's tower poking up into my heavens. No, no he, he had, had to, to go down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he had to bend down, mm. which is really funny. So the author of the text is making a, a point there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a joke. Uh, and the, the people who are uh, building up their, uh, their civilizational reputation mm-hmm. based on their engineering prowess are yes. the butt of the joke. They're the punchline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you see here... Uh, Let's go down and confuse their speech. Yes. Uh, well, how effective is that? Hey, just, oh, a, just amazing. Very, you know, These yeah. guys, they're trying to build together. And just imagine, mm-hmm. imagine a 7.30 a.m. Uh, architect uh, <laughs> gathering to, oh, yes. for the building of the tower. And they get together that morning. Yeah. And one of them speaks, and it sounds like gibberish to everybody else. And then another one speaks, and it sounds like gibberish, gibberish. to everyone. And there's fist fights starting up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, the um, it's funny that you you say you know the the, the early morning meeting because like I work in the oil field, right. right? I work for Trican. We're a fracking outfit, or that's one of the things we do. That's what I do there. And so every morning we have safety meetings, right? And on my crew, we've got a pile of Ukrainians, like six or seven of them, right? And only two of them speak English. Then we've got two or three Somalians. Uh, We've got, we've we've had guys from Colombia in the past. Like we've got a a variety. The United Nations. It's it's yeah. We have a variety of nationalities in our company, and uh, good luck communicating. Right. Right, communication is is hysterical, and we've only got two or three different languages represented. Mm-hmm. You know, plus the newfies can't be understood by anybody. <laughs> and uh, who can understand a newfie? Who, who can understand a newfie? I mean, this is this is a deep question. But the um, <laughs> so the uh, the confusion we can have mm-hmm. is is pretty substantial. Just imagine an entire yes, yeah, tower. A, a, yes, and especially taken by surprise. Mm-hmm, yeah. Right. It wasn't. You like don't know knew. when you're coming to your mm. safety meeting in the morning that you've got you've got uh, nine different languages and, yeah. represented. You don't know that. Yeah, you have you, no you idea. You just come there expecting what you had yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I often wonder if uh, like men um, when they woke up that morning, if they could communicate with their own wives. Yeah, I wonder. Like, uh, was was the, was it that bad? I mean. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're speaking Gaelic and your wife is Chinese. Well, I've had mornings that are sort of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where, where it just feels like uh, you just can't say the yeah. everything I say just sounds strange to her. <laughs> yes. Well, that's most days. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, that whole scenario is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a practical joke. Yes, it is. It's very funny. It's a huge practical joke on the whole Yes. World. On, on all of mankind. <laughs> and and yep. God God did it. Yep. You're going to build yourself up. So here we God, have... God is mocking them. Mo- yeah. And Psalm 2, the Lord sits in heaven and laughs. Yes. He mocks them uh, to derision. He mocks them to derision. Yes. So the, um, the destruction of man's pride happens by means of joke. Uh, Isn't that something? Isn't that something? So, so humor... So, so not a... Uh, not a straightforward argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I can, I can approach a proudful man with a biblical argument, right? And I can say, well, look, the Bible says da 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 da. Right. Well, I don't believe the Bible. Okay. Well, <laughs> how do you break into that fortress? Yeah, with a funny. You break into that fortress with a funny. Yeah, that's right. And the that's uh, what I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the, um, like, so growing up, I was often taught that humor isn't Christian. Mm-hmm. Like we, we don't joke and we don't go with girls that do. <laughs> right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you never know what evil will happen. <laughs> yes. Somebody might have fun. Mm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So we were, I was, I remember being taught that uh, sarcasm, like you said earlier, is the lowest form of humor, which is not true. Uh, when you look at the scriptures, full of sarcasm. But one of the things about explaining jokes in the Bible is it takes a lot of time to explain the joke. Right. Well, but that's the nature of a joke. Yes. Right. If, if yes, I have to is. explain it to you, you're the joke. You're the punchline. And if I have to explain it to you, I have destroyed the funny, like the humor. Right. So I don't. It, it is it is a bit of a um, yeah a bit of a contradiction to explain biblical jokes, but we're doing it for a reason, right? It's like your joke about the right hook. You ah. Keep on having to explain it to people. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell it again. Yeah. Tell it again. Okay. So now, but but first the setup. In case in case you're not familiar, every joke needs a good setup, right? This is not a good setup, but it is a setup. So the uh, Saint Nicholas, yeah, reputedly, allegedly, reputedly, allegedly punched Arius at the Council of Nicaea. Now, leaving aside whether or not either man was actually at the council, how do, the joke is, how do we know that St. Nicholas is Orthodox? And the answer is, because he's got a mean right cross. So, <laughs> unless you're a boxer, that joke doesn't make much sense, because it's not a right cross unless you're in the Orthodox stance. If you're Southpaw, that's a jab, right? So... <sighs> Yeah, it's a boxing joke. But now I explained it. It's not funny. Like, ugh. I'm gonna and now, a listener, if you're laughing, then yeah. Brad has achieved his, I have, his goal. I've achieved my life purpose. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a downhill slide from here on out. So the, uh, it's a great joke. You can use it around the, the dinner table at Christmas and see what happens. Uh, so the, uh, the, the, the spiritual warfare that God engages in and God's people engage in is, is very often by means of the joke. So I said earlier that the, the stand-up comedian is the prophet of our age. Okay. What about uh, the old biblical prophets? Were any of them funny? Oh, yes. Yeah, think about Isaiah. Ooh, Isaiah, yes. Well, that's, and that, that's the first place to go. Uh, go to <laughs> Isaiah, which, Isaiah 44? Yeah, that's the that, joke. That's, that's a good extended joke that goes on. Mm-hmm. Let's read it because it's... Uh, <clears throat> you can you can listen to it, and you just hear the humor that's going on in this passage mm-hmm. as God is describing the shamefulness of idolatry, and he does it with this funny passage. Let me read this to you. Uh, <clears throat> it's in this long section in the 40s of Isaiah where God is revealing himself uh, through Isaiah to Israel. But under the heading of the folly of idolatry, starting at verse 9, All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble. Let them stand forth. They shall be terrified. They shall be put to shame together. 
The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers and works it with his strong arm. He becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. (sighs) The carpenter stretches a line. He marks it out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man, with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars, or he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. He plants a cedar and nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for the man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the half he eats meat, he roasts it, and is satisfied. Also, he warms himself and he says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. Yes. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and he says, Deliver me, for you are my god. (laughs) (laughs) They know not. Nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, their, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. No one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, half of it I burned in the fire, I also baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and have eaten, and shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? (laughs) Well, duh, of course. (laughs) He feeds on ashes. A deluded heart has led him astray, and he cannot deliver himself or say, is there not a lie in my right hand? (laughs) This great long passage. That's funny. That's a description of a guy who's dead serious. Oh, very serious. Okay. The, yeah. Not just a guy, but several guys. Yeah, there's, See, there, there's craftsmen here. Yep. Uh, there's an ironsmith. He's, he's shaping things. He's using his strong arm. There's a carpenter who stretches out a line. Uh, there's a, there's a, woodcutter. a fellow, a woodcutter, who goes out and cuts down, cuts down the tree. So this is a... This is a um, this is industrial worship. It's industrial. Yeah. It's this industrial thing where they're all gathered together in order to create this god. God. The firewood god. The firewood god. <laughs> the god you know, of the half barbecue. Half of it they burn, half of it they make into an idol and they bow down before it and <laughs> ask them ask that piece of wood to deliver them. It, yeah. It it it's <laughs> crazy. It's like if I were to take my barbecue and yes. worship it. <laughs> I'm going to set up an altar, call it a barbecue, roast some meat on it, you know, and then, oh, save me, oh, uh, what's a good barbecue? Traeger. (laughs) Oh, save me, oh, Traeger. Save me, oh, Traeger. (laughs) By your grace and your mercy. Mm. Let me sing your excellencies. Smoked meats are forever. (laughs) Then you have to intone it all. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy. So false worship is funny. In a sense that it is hysterically wrong. Yes. It's so now, foolish. Now, when Isaiah was prophesying, Isaiah was, uh, he was 250 years after David. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 250 or 260 years, quite a while. So about, about halfway through Israel's existence before Judah is finally carried off into captivity. 
Uh, Isaiah is one of the early ones of the prophets who write. Yeah. It's one of the early writing prophets. And clearly, idolatry of this sort had been in Israel for a good while. Yep. And you know that's true because he gets after them. Mm-hmm. He gets after the people of God for their idols yep. earlier. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so do the other prophets. Lots of prophets are getting after Israel for their violation of the first commandment in regard to <clears throat> their, their making of idols. Mm. God gets after them for that. Well, what do you do when you get after somebody? Mm-hmm. How do you approach them yep. if they just continue in their way and they don't turn and your argument doesn't phase them? What do you do? You mock them. You mock them. Yep. That's what you do. Yeah, if I want my, like, <laughs> if, if I'm harassing some young man at church about the fact that he's single, right, mm. and he needs to get himself a wife, he's settled down, get himself a wife, have some babies, baptize them, commune them, raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. How, how, do, I, uh, how do I approach that young man? Oh, young man, you need a wife. Very serious, hand on shoulder. Mm. Oh, he'll agree with me then. If I walk <laughs> up to him, I'm like, what's wrong with you, bro? <laughs> then he'll turn all red and oh, instant, instant. <laughs> you know, you know, there are women out there, son. Because then, you, then you cut to the heart. Quite actually, quite. What are you looking for anyway? With that you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so the uh, the the joke, you know, the, the joke it it goes right to the heart of the matter, and it goes right to the heart of the man. But this is this is hysterical. You know, he's worshiping his barbecue <laughs> and his firewood. Worship your firewood. Yeah, this is a good one. Mm. So, so if you want to be a good rhetorician, yes. then yeah, sure, go ahead, learn logical argumentation. It's a good idea. Yep. But this is a really good way to make a point fast. Yeah, <laughs> this is, uh, you remember the, that old movie, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down? Right. Yeah, a joke can do that for you. Um, now, which where's the passage where Ezekiel's like being the joke? Where he's oh, that, his, chapter five in Ezekiel. Yeah, yeah, chapter five. He's chasing his hair around with a sword. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, listen. Oh, yeah. Do you have that one, Brad? Do you have I'm it up? Just about, just about. I'm yeah. just about there. Like, it's hysterical. Um, yes, chapter five, starting at verse one. Yeah, and you, oh, son of man, take a sharp sword. Use it as a barber's razor. Okay, first off. <laughs> have, Hold up have your any, hair. Take oh. your sword and go. Okay, so take a sharp sword and use it as a barber's razor and pass it over your head and your beard. Okay, so if any of you have ever done this with, like, a knife, tried to shave, it can be very painful. Yes, and think about trying to do that with the sword. Oh, even like, worse. With the blade this long. Yeah, it's... It, oh, terrible. That does not sound fun. No. So, okay, so you got this prophet, and he's shaving his hair and his beard with a sword. Okay, uh, and then he's told, then take balances for weighing and divide the hair. Okay, so we're going to weigh the hair and divide, and divide it in thirds. So a third part you shall burn in the fire in the midst of the city when the days of the siege are completed, and a third part you shall take and strike with the sword all around the city, and a third part you shall scatter to the wind, and I will unsheath the sword after them. And you shall take from these a small number and bind them in the skirts of your robe. <laughs> and of these again, you shall take some and cast them into the midst of the fire and burn them in the fire. Uh, from there a fire will come out into all the house of Israel. So he's <laughs> he's shaving his head with a sword. 
He's weighing out his hair in thirds. Yep. He's taking a third and burning it in, in front of everybody in town. Yeah. Right. So he's <laughs> he's going down next to City Hall and he's whew, there he goes, a third of his hair. And everyone's like, Oh, that stinks. <laughs> what are you doing, bud? Oh, I'm just burning a third of my hair. Why? Well, because a third of the people will be destroyed by the Lord. Oh, oh, okay. So it's a prophecy. Oh, it's a prophecy. And then he takes um some of it. The, the next third he takes yeah. and he holds it out like this and he chases it around, yeah, waving he, his sword at it. Yeah, and he, so he's attacking his hair, a third of his hair with the sword, <laughs> running around the city. And everyone's like, what? This guy's a crazy man. <laughs> this guy's insane. What is he doing? And so he's, he's chasing the hair around and slashing with the sword because a third the Lord shall pursue with the sword. And then uh, the next part... Scatter to the wind. Yes, yeah, so he's supposed to throw a whole bunch of it away, but keep a little bit of that stuff that he just, throws just, away. Yeah, just a little bit. And then sew it into his robe, <laughs> into his robe, yeah. and then he's supposed to pull out some of that and toss it in the fire. Yes. Like the whole thing is hysterical. It, it, it's an it's a enormously funny picture yes. and that just, we're given. Imagine this. But it's a, it's a disaster that God is bringing on Israel. Yep. Now, <clears throat> think, about, think about Ezekiel doing these things, mm-hmm. uh, and he's probably as solemn as a judge when he's doing them. Oh, he's, I, I see him doing this straight-faced. Yes, That's I do serious. too. Yeah. He's, he's, he's straight-faced, but it's, a, it's, it's hilarious. It's a joke. It's hilarious yeah. to watch these things that God is making his prophet do. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It is. When you read through it and you do the mental picture uh, of, of what's actually going on here, oh, goodness, yeah, is that you, ever funny? If any of you uh, ever want to, like, I don't know, do some performance art, <laughs> you should do this. Yes. Uh, he also, he was he the don't one who... Don't do all the prophets no, no, in uh, performance art. No, uh, I would recommend you away from... Um, it, it was Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaiah had to go naked and barefoot for three and a half years. Yeah, and, and lie on one side and then the other? Or was uh, that Ezekiel? He, he, this was Ezekiel in chapter four. He laid on one side yeah. and then the other. But Isaiah actually had to go naked and barefoot. Yeah, he So did. can you imagine? Ugh, especially in Grand Prairie. It was rather <laughs> undignified. Quite. I think. He was a, a prophet that you keep your kids away from. Yes. <laughs> and then there's Hosea. Do not talk to that man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there's Hosea, right? So yes. the Lord tells him, you're going to marry a prostitute. Right. And you're going to be faithful to the prostitute, and she will not be faithful to you. And you're going to name your children some horrible things. Yes. Like, um, uh, not my people. Yes. Here's my son, not my people. <laughs> oh. And here's my daughter, no mercy. I will put an end to Israel. <laughs> and I will put an end to Israel. Yeah, these are, imagine showing up to a family reunion. Little Loami, yes. not my people, that is he. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, and their mother is always gone. Yeah, and then, and then she runs off with her, with her many lovers and goes back to work. And then Jose has to go get her back. Mm-hmm. Like, so the whole thing, it's horribly funny that the Lord's making a man do this, the names of the children are just... Like, if, if somebody walks up to me mm-hmm. at a family event and introduces their child, this is my child, not my people. Yes. Like, <laughs> well, whose people is he? Like, what's, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> this is my son. I hate Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh, but it, the thing is, this is, that is my daughter. Death to the C- CBC. Death is, yeah. <laughs> so when when you uh, when you when you think about it in those terms, you're like, this is hysterical, and it cuts right to the heart of the point. Yes. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, this is 
God is calling Israel a whore. Yeah. And he's also promising a restoration. He's promising that he will redeem Israel. Mm -hmm. But they're not my people. Like, these people are acting like they're not mine. Mm -hmm. They're... Well, yeah. even, even like the language in Jeremiah 2 where God, I think that's Jeremiah 2, where God compares his people to a camel in heat. Mm. Yes. <laughs> a, uh, it's kind of raunchy humor, but at the same time, it's quite funny. Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, a camel in heat. Just, just imagine like a goat in heat. Some of you might know about goats. I mean, camels are not really a North American thing. But I can imagine. <laughs> like, I've seen goats. Yeah. Or even dogs. Dogs are hysterical. Um, but we just mentioned Ezekiel in uh, chapter 4 where he, um, he has to lie on one side yes. and then on another. So uh, that one's a funny one because he also he's playing Legos. Yes. Yeah, he, he's, he's built this... Uh, He's built this little city. Yes. He's lying there in the middle of the town square. Just think about this. Mm -hmm. Here's this prophet, and he goes out, and he has to lie on one side for 390 days? Well, I think he lies in total for 390. I think it's 340, and then another 40 on the other side. Yeah. Something like that. So, But then he, he has to take a brick and yes. engrave on it yes. Jerusalem. Yes. So he's, he takes a brick, <laughs> writes Jerusalem on the brick, sets it up, puts an iron griddle in between him and it. Yes. And then he lays there yeah. and watches it. And he, he puts a siege work against <laughs> it. He built, he built a siege wall around his yes. little brick named Jerusalem. Yeah. Uh, and he ha casts up a mound against it, set camps also against it, and plant battering rams all around it. And then the iron griddle, right? And place it as an iron wall between you and the city and set your face toward it. And let it be in a state of siege and press the siege against it. So he's <laughs> he's playing Lego. Yes, he is. He's, he's got to... Uh, and he's dug right in. Yeah, he's lying there <laughs> in the middle of the city uh, with his little sandcastle and he's, he's his, his brick city and he's building his his siege against the brick and he's assaulting the brick. Yes. For th 390 days. And uh, everybody that's uh, going by, you know, going to... Yeah. Uh, you know, their false temple to worship yep. and everybody going down to the marketplace to buy yep. and everybody heading over to their in-laws for dinner is walking past this guy yes. laying siege to his Jerusalem. And <laughs> that's, that's one of God's prophets. Look and at that. That's a prophet. And, that, and it seems like, like he's, he's doing these bizarre sorts of things. Isaiah said about, <laughs> about being a prophet. And mm. he said, I and my children whom you have given me, Mm -hmm. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. Yes, and God really did use them that way. Yeah, like they were pictures. They were they were they physical were, representations. They were physical representations of spiritual realities in Israel, mm -hmm. and the realities were not good. And so the prophets behaved very strangely. Yes, I mean they were behaving like the people, and mm -hmm. in in Ezekiel's case here, he's behaving like God. Mm -hmm. He's laying siege yes. to his own city. Yes, and he, there's this iron griddle in between him and the city. Yep. Like their their prayers to God can't come, can't come through. They keep hitting iron yep. in between them and yep. him. Yes. and mm. uh, <laughs> Like the skies were iron. Ah. And their prayers would not ascend to God. That's Deuteronomy, isn't it? Yeah, there's some connection uh, there. There is. Interesting. So uh, now for some other jokes. You just mentioned the funny about... Um, a camel in heat being kind of a yes. <laughs> risque. Well, we have some risque humor in uh, First Kings 18. It's one of my favorite oh, stories yes. in the Bible. 
I love it. Yes. Is that really risque or is it more poop humor? Ah, yes, yeah, scatological humor. So God likes poop <laughs> jokes. Scatological. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry there's, my... There's theological, there's dialogical, is. and there's scatological. Yes. So the... Um, yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm sorry, my dear brethren of the straight-laced and the straight-faced, but uh, <laughs> your Lord and ours... <laughs> <laughs> told, a, told a poop joke. <laughs> so in First uh, Kings 18, you've got Elijah and the, uh, the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel. There's 450 men, and uh, they're having a, a showdown between the gods. So now this is a funny in itself. The whole scenario is funny. You've got 450 men on a mountain with a prophet. The king is in attendance. Who knows who else is watching? There's a whole, mm-hmm. whole pile of people. All the people of Israel are gathered by King Ahab to watch this spectacle. So you've got this competition between Baal and the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, the competition is... The one know, who answers by fire. The one who answers by God. fire, yeah. So they got the two altars set up, two sacrifices. Uh, and so these these men of... Uh, these 450 prophets, they're running around, they're screaming, they're singing, they're dancing. They're cutting themselves. Cutting themselves, like mm-hmm. self-harm and mutilation. Yeah. That's part of the joke. This is the setup. Yes. And then... Uh, you know, Baal's not, it's not working, right? Right. So um, there, it says, but there was no voice they, they, from morning until noon, okay? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is a long time. Yes. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. So these men are limping <laughs> around the altar. <laughs> so they've cut themselves so badly they can't even walk uprightly. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, <laughs> cry aloud. For he is a god, so you know louder. You know maybe maybe he's got yeah, some, maybe he's got something in his ears. He's, yeah, he's got some. He's got, he's got a hearing problem. You know, either he is musing, so perhaps he's off thinking. You know, maybe he's just deep in thought, or he is relieving himself. <laughs> he is relieving himself. Yeah, he's pooping. <laughs> so it's like when I'm you know engaged. Your God's on the toilet, so he can't actually bring the fire. <laughs> yeah, your God's on the toilet, so he can't bring the fire. So, I, you know, when I'm on the toilet, like, my children can't get a hold of me either, right? I'm busy. So maybe he's relieving himself. He is, he is enthroned, mm-hmm. but not above the heavens. Um, or he is on a journey. Maybe he went somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe he just wandered off. Your God's a little absent-minded. You know, he knew that this event was happening, forgot about it, you know, took a trip. Who knows? Or, or perhaps he's asleep. Right, maybe, maybe he's, he's, he's taking a nap. You know, he was tired. You know, last night that was a lot of work. Whatever it was he was doing, maybe he, <laughs> you just need to wake him up. So he's mocking them, and they cried aloud, and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Mm. So th- they're they're just making themselves bloody, and they can't wake their god. They can't get their god yeah. off the toilet. Uh, <laughs> and then at midday, as midday passed, they raved on. So yes, so they they went limping. Now they're raving uh, until the time of the offering of the oblation, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. The time of the offering of the oblation. Yeah. Time is being measured by what's going on back at the temple. Yeah, by the sacrificial time. Right. Yeah. And, and here's Elijah up on Mount Carmel. He's 150 miles away yep. from the temple, but time is being measured by what's going on there. Yeah, that's that's an important point. Yeah. yeah modern time measured by the advent of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, here we are, Anno Domini 2023. The jokes on the pagans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they still use our calendar. So the um, 
these guys are uh, they're limping, they're raving, they're they're cutting themselves, their blood is gushing everywhere, their god is somewhere they don't know, and then uh, then Elijah he's like to the, all the people come near to me, and then the people come near to him. He then repairs the altar of the Lord that had been broken down. So he he's rebuilding the altar, um, right. you know, with uncut stone <clears throat> at ground uh, level. And then uh, he takes 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes. He puts the wood in order. He cut up the sacrificial bull, lays it on the wood. And then he's like, I need some water. Yeah. And the guy's like, water? I need water. So he brings water. Four- it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a drought for it's three years. It's been a drought for three years. Where's he getting water on a mountainside? Yes. Huh. So he gets four jars of water and he poured it all over the offering. So for, yes. now he's wasted what little water they have. Yes. Thrown it on Wasting this. precious resources oh, quite. on this. And it's water a, makes it harder for the offering to burn. Right. Yeah. Water does. I hate to break it to you. Yes. But water is wet. Yes. He, he's water making, he's making it really, really difficult. Yeah. He's making it hard for God. Yes. Yeah. You know, these guys, they were yelling and screaming, making it easy for their God to wake up. They even mm-hmm. cut themselves, blood yeah. gushing everywhere. I wonder if they had uh, like um, a first aid set up. <laughs> Did they have anybody? With bandages sitting there helping out, you know, we got to sure the Red Cross safety operating then, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, AHS would have been all over this. Uh, Maybe, well, you got to keep your priests in the game. You know, maybe they were rotating on on the cutting, or maybe I don't know. Well, blood was gushing. Yeah, it was gushing. So they had to be, you know, somebody was blood is gushing. Someone's going to die soon. Yeah, so you got you got to wrap that. Got to apply pressure, compression. Mm -hmm. You know. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, my first aid mind is yeah. Anyway, so and then. Uh, after they soak the altar, uh, they do it a second time and then a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And then at the time of the offering of the oblation, he calls out to the Lord and boom, fire, mm-hmm. lights it up. And then uh, Elijah goes to the king. He's like, Go up, eat, and drink, for there is a sound of rushing rain. <laughs> so then they have this foot race. Mm-hmm. The chariot, it gets stuck in some mud. They're racing. Oh, it's, it's, it's just this hysterical story Yes, of, of God destroying pagan worship. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's got, like, poop jokes. It's got self-harm. Like, this is not politically correct. <laughs> like, if we'll, if, if we'll be canceled for any episode, it's for pointing this passage out. <laughs> so um, it's just not funny. We, we have to be serious. These people needed mental help. It's like, no, bro. They needed some fire, and they mm. couldn't get it. Right. But, um, uh, there, uh, yeah, what, what's another good joke uh, in the Bible to point out? I'm thinking about First Kings 22 oh. right now. That's only four chapters later. Yeah. And you see again, like, how these prophets, they just were funny. Like, <laughs> they, uh, anyway, here you've got an example where Micaiah prophesies <laughs> to Ahab, right? Yes. And yes. You, you got this situation here where Ahab is trying to decide whether or not to go up to battle mm. and the yeah. Lord wanting to destroy Ahab has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And somehow Ahab knows. Yeah. And somehow Ahab knows. Yeah. Ahab knows this. That's right. Yeah. What? what? <laughs> so yet. I think Ahab and Jehoshaphat are sitting there together, mm-hmm. listening to all these lying prophets. And uh, yeah, then there's <laughs> this guy, Micaiah. Yeah. When Micaiah comes around... <laughs> he gives the same word that the prophets yeah. have been giving, exactly the same word. Go up, for the Lord will bless you. So yeah. how, did, uh, how did Ahab know yeah. that something was up here? 
Yeah. I, I well, wonder how Micaiah delivered that message. Maybe it was, go up. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was a little bit snarky. <laughs> I <yeah>. wonder. <laughs> I, I, I tend to think that Micaiah had significant snark when he said this. I think that's probably well, and, so. and then the king, in verse 16, the mm-hmm. king, res- so Micaiah says, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. So he, he tells the king what he wants to hear. Yes. It's like, hey, Micaiah. Great guy, right? You're being so respectful to the king, obeying Romans 13. (laughs) (laughs) And then in verse 16, the king responds to him and says, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? So this is not the first time these two have had this interaction. No. (laughs) How many times? This has happened before. Yes. How many times have I told you? How many times has Micaiah agreed with the lying prophets and the king found out? I don't know. We don't know. But there's there's a story there. So so Micaiah is giving him some snark, it seems like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, in verse 17, then Micaiah says, okay, he gives the truth. I saw all Israel scattered. And then the king goes and he whines to the king of Judah. Like, yes. how, how much less of a sign of respect it is for a king to go whining to another king? Oh, yeah. Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? <laughs> well, he, he prophesied good at first, but you wanted him to tell the truth, so he told the truth. <laughs> yeah, now you're complaining. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's funny. Yep. And then uh, put this put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. <laughs> so he's like, throw the guy in a slammer and dried bread and stale water. And you can just see him. He's being dragged off by the guards, and he's shouting back, if you ever come back in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Hear my words, all you people. Yeah, and then... uh... And then, of course, Ahab dies in the battle. It's really funny because he disguises himself. This is also funny. Yeah. Because they they swap clothing, the two guys. Yeah, it's like Jehoshaphat was such a sucker for Ahab. I I don't understand him. And that, I think, is part of the joke, is that Jehoshaphat is being, like, insanely stupid. Yes. He should know better. If, if He's the one who should have died in that battle. He should have. Yeah. Uh, He was dressed like the king, and and the other guys were saying, don't fight with anybody except the king. Yeah, so they were they were they were they're homing in on Ahab. That was Whereas their, their Ahab was tactic. the wily guy. Oh, he was. So you've got like this this wily Ahab, and then this dumb dumb Jehoshaphat, and like and Je- Jehoshaphat's just riding out into battle, like, being hey, like, "Hey, yes. here I am, here yeah. I am." And then he sees everybody chasing him, and he cries out. It says he cried out to the Lord. I think. Yeah. Does it say that? And uh, Jehoshaphat cri- cried out. He cried out. He cried out, but, um, yeah, and then a certain man at random, yes. some random dude, yes. just launching an arrow like, yeah, there's some bad guys. Well, let's just try that. Nails the king. So is there anything in the world that's random? Well, no, not really. No, uh, not well, at all. Uh, it was drawn at random, but the Lord guided that arrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's certainly the case. Yes. The Lord shoots straight with random arrows. <laughs> it was ran- Yeah, random arrows. <laughs> And the king died and was brought to Samaria. Yeah. So this, uh, yeah, Jehoshaphat's kind of the uh, like the 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 dumb guy. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he's, he's he's the dumb foil. He, he's the dumb foil for Ahab. But it's Jehoshaphat that survives. Yeah. So Ahab gets this this rever- it's all reversed on him. Mm-hmm. He, his expectation is is completely undone. Yes. 
Jehoshaphat goes home from there, and uh, and a prophet named Jehu comes to him. Not the not the wild weird Jehu, but a, a different prophet named Jehu comes to him and rebukes him. Yes, for his uh, for his dealings with Ahab. Yeah, like what were you uh, doing with that guy? Yeah, yeah. But the whole story, <laughs> the setup, the finish, it's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're not told what happened to Micaiah. No, we're not told what happened to Micaiah. We he no just idea. disappears. He. Did he die in jail? We have no idea. Yeah, we don't know. Yep. <clears throat> uh, another uh, another good joke, and you notice that a lot of these jokes are in narrative form, yep. so it's slapstick humor. Right? Jehu is another good joke. Jehu is, yeah, uh, throwing what's her nuts or name out of the tower of yes, and then the sitting ground. down for lunch, and then sitting down for lunch, <laughs> and oh, the whole the whole thing is funny. Uh, judges has some. Humor. Oh yes, significant humor. Yeah. Uh, Samson. Samson. Samson with the jawbone. Samson with the jawbone. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's puns in yes. Hebrew. Uh, I'm told by people who know Hebrew well that there are puns left, right, and center in Hebrew, and in in uh, the in the Samson narrative, mm-hmm. uh, one of those puns has to do with uh, with the jawbone. Yeah, and a heap. Right, and a heap. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> apparently, the word. Heap and the word donkey mm-hmm. are very similar sounding. Yeah, so in, he's he's heaping his heaps, or he's yes, donkeying. he's heaping heaps. Yeah, he, he's piling up donkeys, yes. as it were. And so, <laughs> so he's got this jawbone of a donkey, and he's thumping Philistines with it and killing Philistines left, right, and center with this mm-hmm. jawbone. But he's making piles of donkeys. Yes, with a donkey. With a with the jawbone of a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's very funny. Uh you've also got his um his wedding. Right? He he goes down to Timna. Mm-hmm. The Lord provokes him to go down to Timna uh to pick a fight. Yeah. So I, I I when I got married, I was not my my plan was not to go to my wedding to pick a fight. <laughs> right? And I managed to avoid a fight at my wedding. Yeah. True story. Yeah, uh but <laughs> here's Samson and he's he's going to pick a fight. Um, his whole his whole riddling yeah. is very funny because of uh, the reversal of expectation, right? So th- these men they figure out his uh, his riddle by plowing with my heifer. Yes, that's what he says. That's a sex joke. <laughs> yes, it's a sex. Joke. Okay, so that's a sex joke. You know, my bride is a cow. <laughs> yeah, and you plowed with her. That's like you know. He's kind of mocking his bride at the same time. He is, 100% he is. So, um, and again, she demonstrated that she did not have proper fidelity or loyalty to him. Right? So he was totally legit in, yep. in mocking her. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, plowing with my heifer is how you got my, my secrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, later, you've also got Samson's mocking uh, De- the Philistines through Delilah. You know, when uh, if I am bound with these cords, if I am wove, my hair is woven yep. into the loom, right? So... He's he's engaged in mocking there. In that case, however, it's not spirit driven. He, I, I, th- I think that he is playing around, walks into a trap because he's full of pride, yeah, and gets nailed uh, because he's he's he thinks that he's the one running the show here, and mm-hmm. the play's being run on him. So he's the joke, right? He's he's the butt of that joke there. Yeah, um, but the 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 grand point being, there are jokes of mm-hmm. this sort all over the place yes. in the scriptures. All over that when we read the scriptures, if we if we don't if we can't laugh mm. at a story like this, 
at the absurdity mm-hmm. of it. Something's wrong with us. If yep. you're sitting on the couch reading your Bible and reading a substantial portion, your wife should hear you laughing on the couch at least once. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it, sh- it should happen. Yeah. 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 Think about that, uh, that horrific story at the end of Judges. Right. Where, where uh, the, there's war, uh, there's civil war in Israel and everybody's fighting against the tribe of Benjamin and Benjamin's just ready to, ready to scrap. And so they do, but Benjamin is reduced in this war from, from 28,000 men to 600. Yep. They get wiped out. You know, just think about, think of what a disaster mm-hmm. national that disaster. is. Yeah. For the tribe of Benjamin, it's a huge, huge disaster, and even for and, Israel, and for Israel yeah. too. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but the way in which <laughs> the way in which they're restored—that's funny. Yeah, it's funny how they're restored. Yeah, you know, okay, well, we we swore in the war that we're not going to give our daughters as wives to these Benjaminites, but how's Benjamin going to be perpetuated now? They, no they can't be, yeah. and we can't break our words. So what'll we do? Oh well, some enterprising elders in Israel got their heads together and said, <laughs> "Okay, well let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. Okay, you guys wait in the bushes. Yeah, okay? intelligent guys. And, and we're, we're gonna do. We're gonna do we're gonna the dances over here at Shiloh. Run out and catch yourself a wife, then run away. Yeah, yeah. And I can't. <laughs> it's it's funny too because I can't help but imagine that the young ladies involved in the dancing had to have known something was up. Like, how do you hide well, that? Also, also think about this. Everything about that story is a horrific disaster for yes. everybody involved. Yeah. You know, those girls, Yeah. all their families had been killed. Yep. Remember they got, they got half of them from Jabesh Gilead yep. where, where Jabesh they, Gilead didn't come to the war. They so they go out. over to Jabesh Gilead mm-hmm. and wipe out everybody yep. except for four, or, or I think there was, yeah, 400, 200. 400 virgins, something like that. Yeah. Yes, there wasn't enough. Yeah, and it was just this horrible... It's a horrible disaster. Yeah. So if you're, if you're one of those girls, yeah. you just lost your whole family. You lost your whole history. Yeah. And now you're at this dance. Uh, when, you, when you get into the personal aspects looking at this story, it's an absolute mm. disaster. Yep. It's a conflagration it's a it's a raging dumpster fire and you yeah, just can't it's a look raging away. dumpster fire and there's <laughs> and there's no way out but god telling this story on the grand scheme yeah you, how do you read that without laughing yeah it's it's, it's a divine comedy yes it is <laughs> yeah and then the guy gets the girl and the funny thing is like where does saul come from the line of Benjamin. He comes from the line of Benjamin. Where does Paul come from? From Benjamin. Yeah. The Apostle Paul who writes who writes about two-thirds of the New Testament or half the New Testament. Yep. He's, he's a Benjamin. He's a Benjaminite. Well, and, and the song that you wrote on that is a pretty yeah. funny song. And um, <laughs> yes. my, uh, my uncles, they, I think they all sang it at one of my cousin's weddings. Oh, yes. Yeah, how to Catch a Wife. <laughs> how to Catch a Wife. <laughs> That's and now our joy. <laughs> Yeah. Now our joy is full. Yeah. Four little Benjamins will be growing again. Yeah. <laughs> so it, yeah, so. the whole thing is you get this dumpster fire, mm-hmm. and then you get this this twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, and God brings life out of death. Yeah, and then and now this story of the Civil War must have happened somewhere in the middle yeah. of the Book of Judges before Samson. Yeah, uh, because 
you've got Saul from the, there's a tribe of Benjamin again. Yeah. When Saul is anointed king. So I'm not entirely sure exactly where it fits, but it fits earlier. Yeah. 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 It's earlier. Um, another, uh, another good joke, uh, the apostle Paul in Galatians. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, that's now, a good one. Do you uh, have it handy? I do. Uh, Galatians 5.12. Okay, so uh, the setup for the story is, again, a dumpster fire. A lot of humor comes out of a dumpster fire. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> there might be something there. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, yeah. Sometimes things just get so bad, you just got to laugh, right? This is true. Humor is applicable to dumpster fires. This is true. In fact, lighting a dumpster on fire <laughs> is actually kind of funny. Uh, so in, uh, in Galatians, one of the, uh, the main things that Paul's doing is he's getting after people who have converted to Christ, and then they've gone back to the Jewish ordinances and laws. So they're undoing uh, what Christ has done. In, in in essence, uh, this is where the uh, the whole back to the Jewish thing is is all is all off. The um, and there's there's modern versions of this too, right? Right. We, we've known people that have done that. So he starts off. It's in uh, verse three. He starts talking about uh, every man who accepts circumcision is obligated to keep the whole law. And then he says, "You are severed from Christ." Okay. So this language is severed. You've gone back to circumcision. You are severed from Christ. Which is a severing, right? Yeah. Circumcision. Circumcision is a severing of the foreskin yeah. of the flesh. Yeah. So now you've, by going back to that, been severed from Christ. Um, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. So you're severed from grace. Uh, then he goes, uh, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait the hope of Righteous for the hope of righteousness, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Okay, so this is his setup. Yeah. And then he gets down here. Um, he talks about a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So if you allow this problem to persist, it will grow. I have confidence in the Lord uh, that, that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So now he's getting to the teacher. Yeah, were the teachers of this Judaizing um, impulse. Yes. And then uh, he says in verse 12, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. So he, <laughs> think, Paul is wishing don't just that... just cut off the foreskin. Yeah, yeah, don't stop at the tip, you know. <laughs> go all the way. So, like, uh, so, uh, now everyone's sitting there thinking, like, that's gross, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, did you ever see, um, uh, I think it was Mel Brooks' Robin Hood, Men in Tights? No. Okay, because uh, instead of Friar Tuck, he had Rabbi Tuckia. Oh, yes. And he came along with these little guillotines. It was called the Circumciser. Uh. And he was peddling it. Uh. Traveling salesman. <laughs> anyway, I'll take two. That's the joke. Um, but <laughs> So here's Paul <laughs> agreeing with Mel Brooks. Or Mel Brooks <laughs> agreeing with Paul. So uh, And then he says, For you were called the Freedom Brothers... Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Mm-hmm. Okay, now flesh, again, there's a pun there yeah. on, on not just the old man, uh, the old man bound in sin, but also the circumcision circumcision flesh, yes. right? So he's, he's punning there. <laughs> puns, by the way, they're funny. The Bible is full of puns. Oh, quite. Uh, Hebrew, Greek and Hebrew. Greek and Hebrew, yeah. Especially uh, uh, in Hebrew, I think it's more prevalent. Yeah, definitely to, Hebrew. Yeah. To pun. Uh, but then he, he continues on, uh, 
with, uh, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So he makes this very pointed joke mm-hmm. uh, to tear down this, this false teaching that you have to be circumcised to be in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and that circumcision is nothing and that the old law is fulfilled in Christian love and in Christ. So he tells this hard joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what do you do then? <clears throat> what do you do then with the, the, uh, perceive, I get, I guess it's just perceived mm-hmm. orthodoxy that is straight laced, mm. that is somber as a judge. Right. The that, fellowship of the furrowed brow. Yes. What, <laughs> That's a good, what, what do you do? What do you do chosen. with that? Because, you know, in yeah. in our tradition, like we're in the Reformed stream. Right. We don't have fun. Okay. Uh, we're Calvinists. We're, we're, it's yeah. proverbial. Yes. You know, I, I, I remember hearing someone's definition that said, said if uh, a Calvinist is someone who is afraid that there is someone somewhere having fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. Well, that, that actually became a became a caricature yes. uh, of Calvinism, and it did so for a reason, because right. there's a lot of somber as a judge yes. uh, Calvinists. Calvinists about who poo-poo the idea of mockery or the idea right. of, of the giddy whole, the or holy joke. laughter and anything like that. It's not... It's like it's beneath our dignity right. to, to think that way. Well, we're, we are holier than God. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> well, because because the scriptures reveal this in God all the time. Yeah. This is the one the one okay, there's two things in G.K. Chesterton's orthodoxy I wholeheartedly disagree with. One is a statement in chapter two about John Calvin, and the other is the last statement in the book, where he says that out of all the characteristics that the Lord demonstrated to us in the gospels, the one that I fancy he did not was his mirth. Mm. And I'm like, GK. Jesus is telling jokes. You have to fancy that, GK. Yeah, yeah be, well, and it's not just the jokes that we've we've been looking at thus far, but like the parables, right? Mm-hmm. You, you got a you got yeah. a beam in your eye, like you got this this roofing timber yes. stuck in your eye, bud, and and you got to take that thing out yeah, before you can before you can help your pal. Yeah, who's who's got a little bit of dust? In I'm his sure eye. there was ripples of laughter in the crowd when Jesus oh. told that story. Yes. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Or uh, you brood of vipers. That's yes. sharp. You a snake and your mom is a snake. Yeah. I'm sure they weren't laughing at that. <laughs> well, the th- <laughs> you know, here's the thing, though. I bet that the, the Pharisees to whom that was directed were very definitely not laughing. Like, yes. they, were, they, were, they were ready to kill him. But, but the rest of the people, people were, were oh, yeah. probably trying to snicker with him. They, they were like, oh. Ah. Letting the Pharisees see that. Oh, yeah. Like, so, yeah, they're, they're the butt of that joke, and they knew it. Yeah. Right? Um, mm-hmm. Jesus is, is telling these kinds of stories or jokes. Um, yeah, all, throughout... All his parables, you find these things. So the, um, but what's wrong with us? Why are we holier than God in our tradition? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know why. We we have no like no rational cause for thinking that we are holier than God. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've wondered about that, and I wonder, uh, I wonder at some of the some of the roots mm-hmm. of it, at least in in modern. Uh, reformed expression. I wonder if we haven't become 
uh, we haven't bought too much into the science ideal. Right. Where, where uh, <clears throat> you know, in order to... In order to know anything as true, it has to be verifiable. I wonder if that's that's some sort of a root, right? And, and so, okay. uh, in in Reformed theology, right. uh, one of the reasons that they get after people like us, mm. uh, like paedo communion, yeah. isn't mainstream Reformed, right? right? And, and so they they look at our world and they say, well, no, that's that's not that's not orthodox. It's not mm. according to what we know, it's not a core. Yeah. Right? Which is sort of a scientific mindset. Right. It's the mindset that 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 requires verification, I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's right. Well, I, I, wouldn't, but, I don't know if it's verification, but I, 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 kinda, I think I'm tracking with where you're going, that there's a certain... Um, it's also it has to do with our marriage to the the idea of the historical inter, uh, historical grammatical interpretive method, okay. right? Where if if I'm not told expressly yep. to make a joke, that's, I shall not. Yes, that's that's connected. Yeah, it, 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 the way in which we interpret the Bible. Yeah, and we're not reading uh, we're not reading type allegory. We're not reading yes. Uh, we're not uh, reading um, the uh, the genre. Yeah, we're not reading. And we're not we're not reading it imaginatively, like imaginatively. That's a really good word. Yes. When I when I listen to uh, Theopolis podcasts, yeah, they do a great job. And of they this. talk about they talk about uh, what what uh, their what doing. Theopolis thing, what it's all about. Mm. We're teaching we're teaching God's people and, and pastors, especially, mm. to read the Bible. What was that word you just uh, imaginatively. used? Imaginatively. Imaginatively. Yeah. To read it imaginatively. And so what what they what they That's mean by this? Yeah. What they mean by that is not uh, that we're going to just imagine meaning in the into the text when right. we read it. But what what they what they're talking about in many cases is read the text and then put yourself into into that event and try to imagine right. the sights, the sounds, and the smells. Yeah. Right. So if you are sitting there reading a story like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. Like, imagine that you're there. Yeah. What does this look like? What does this sound like? What does it feel like? Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you're starting to be like, oh, this is this is hysterical. Yeah. Right. Like I, uh, it, it's like Shakespeare. When you read it, you're like, this is high art. And then when you see it, you're like, that's funny. Right. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this. I was in grade nine. Now I was in public school at the time. So please, you know. Put away your knives. We all, forgive you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm sharpening one right here. Yeah, sharp, yeah. Put away the sharp objects. So I was, I was in a government school at the time, and uh, we had this teacher. She was about like maybe five feet tall. Like she was short. And I forget her name, but what she we were doing Romeo and Juliet. And so she had us arrange all the desks in a circle, and we're each reading a part. And uh, because I was familiar with the uh, the King James, mm -hmm. I could read at a much higher level of comprehension. Right. But, you know, a lot of things were just, you know, Right over my head. Right. I mean, grade nine, you're like, what, 13, 14, something like that? Mm. It, it, it was over my head. So, but my classmates had no idea what was, what was going on. And then at one point, she jumped up from her chair, climbed up onto a desk and stood on the desk 
Just like Robin Williams in right. Dead Poets Society. Yeah. She stands on the desk and she's like, did you get it? And by standing on the desk, she was about as tall as half the, half the guys <laughs> in the class. So, and we're all like, did we get what? And she's like, Shakespeare just made a sex joke. And now everybody's interested. <laughs> we're like, oh, he said something racy. So then we're all trying to figure it out. So I, it, yeah, I remember the first time reading through Hamlet when I realized how much humor there is in, in that oh, play. Yeah. Like everybody dies in Hamlet, but there's jokes throughout. Things about sharpening swords, especially in yeah. some of them. Yeah, uh, I believe that's uh, scene three, uh, sorry, act three, scene two. But yeah, with the players and Ophelia and Hamlet, and they're sitting there. And <clears throat> yeah, the thing said, the thing said. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's won't repeat it. It is, <laughs> especially when you know what he's talking about. Uh, and then you get uh, like uh, Henry the Fourth, um, Act One, where you've got uh, Pistol and Falstaff, and they're in a pub and they're making jokes, and there's significant punning. Like I suddenly realized the guy's funny, mm. right? But I had to have somebody stand on the table and scream at me. Yeah. Shakespeare is funny, right? Before I realized that Shakespeare is funny. Now I love Shakespeare, enjoy Shakespeare, highly recommended, 10 out of 10, do it again. But uh, I, I needed somebody to stand on a table and yell at me. Mm. So if I can stand on this proverbial table and yell at y'all in podcast land, <laughs> God is funny. Chesterton was wrong on this point. God mm. is funny. So I, I did want to propose a couple more practical reasons why mm. reform people avoid humor. Uh, I, I mm. think one of the big ones is the fear of giving offense okay, and yeah. maybe unnecessarily because we should never give offense unnecessarily. I think it was Douglas Wilson often quotes this yeah. guy is that um, a gentleman will never unnecessarily offend somebody or accidentally right. offend somebody. Yeah. You only do it on purpose. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You, you, you only do it on purpose. So mm. I guess maybe not being, <clears throat> you kind of have to be smart with your you humor. Do. Yeah, humor mm. humor requires wisdom. You have to modulate yeah. your message to your target. Yeah. And yeah. and I think I think especially when I was younger, I probably didn't use it a lot just because I was afraid of offending somebody. Right. But then I worked in blue collar industries and <laughs> the first thing that happens when you walk onto a site is that people start making fun of you, right? Oh, yes. And if you take yourself too seriously, then that's just going to destroy you. Yes. But if you can give it back as hard as they give it, yeah. then it's fine. And everybody gets along, right? Yeah, it, and, and that's one of the one of the joyful things about having worked in blue collar industries. Yeah. And the <laughs> the thing too is that if you can take a joke, not even so much if you can give a joke, but if you can take a joke with good humor, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, that's a demonstration of manly strength. It's the weak man that can't take or make the joke. It's the strong man that can take and make the joke. This is just a plain fact. Mm -hmm. Like I have people mock me because I'm a Christian at work, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I'm not freaked out about that. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. I don't need your approval yes. yep. to demonstrate the truth of God's word. Like, right. oh man, yep. he made he made he made a dragon. He made everything that that you are afraid of, good man. Yeah, was made by my God. Like, wow. But um, humor is is a demonstration of strength and maturity. But you do have to modulate your message to your target. Yes. Yeah. And you got to know who your audience is. Yeah. So if, if I'm making a joke <laughs> and I'm cutting down like my children or something, right, they're not a legitimate target mm -hmm. for me to be cutting them down. My jokes should be building them up by cutting down that which is, you know, false, erroneous, that which sets itself up against the wisdom of God. Mm -hmm. uh, foolishness. Like if my son's being stupid, which, you know, it happens, I'm like, wow, what did we learn from that? Like, and... That right there, 
I'm not attacking him. I'm inviting him into the joke because he did something stupid. Like he jumped off of something that was too tall for him to jump off of. Mm -hmm. So what did you learn from that? And he's like, ow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that hurt. Right? So that even that little kind of a soft little jibe, you know, I'm not, I'm not, oh, you're stupid, you're you're dumb, you're mm -hmm. none of that. No. But what did you learn from that? Oh, that hurt. Okay, don't do that again. Mm -hmm. Or like I, I said to my one uh, girl, she she banged herself on the table, and I was like, watch out for the table. And then she looks at me, and I'm like, like all of my advice, it is sound, but late. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, you know, so <laughs> self-deprecation. sound, but late. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then she's sitting there like, <laughs> looking at me, you know, kind of cross-eyed, like, Dad, you're weird. So, so laughter, mm -hmm. laughter can get... I uh, can can make a point. It can get mm -hmm. in right where argumentation can't. can't. Absolutely right. Yeah. So so if there's if there's uh, <clears throat> for instance, uh, if if someone is trying to argue uh, from the scripture mm -hmm. that, for instance use it for instance, that homosexuality is quite all right. Right. If they're trying to argue from there, uh, the way to defeat that argument is not nearly mm. so much as to just make things clear from the scripture because yeah. that position is rebellion to start with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That rebellion, that, that position is, is starting from a point mm. of rejection of God yeah, and so, they're approaching the scripture with the rejection of God. If you right. approach the scripture, they say, "Okay, well, everything that you bring, I'm rejecting." Yeah, just the same. Or I'm twisting. Uh, and, and and so in order, we're we're not supposed to be just trying to win arguments, right? We're supposed mm. to be trying to win people. How do you get in mm. when he's got such defenses? Well, and the thing too is that very often in an apologetics context, yeah. your audience isn't your. Your target audience isn't the man you're addressing. Right. So the guy arguing for homosexuality and trying to use the scriptures isn't necessarily my target. Right. You're both trying to win the crowd. Yeah, it's yeah, the people who are watching. It's the crowd, yeah. It's the listeners. So then the humor, I mean... The, the, Make a joke. Yeah. Be funny, because mm -hmm. this is kind of funny. Like, how is this man going to reproduce his ideals? Yes. <laughs> he can't. He can't. Right? I can re I, I've got five children. There's been some reproduction of ideals here. Yes. Like. <laughs> And get, guess who's catechizing my children? Me, mm. my wife. So, hmm. Yeah. So, right. like, uh, I'll give you another example of some of a funny way to respond to something. Um, so, my uncle and a bunch of my cousins went ice fishing up in northern Ontario. How much ice did they get? Uh, not a lot of ice, <laughs> <laughs> but mainly fish. <laughs> That's all there was up there. Yeah. Um, anyway. So they go into this hut and it's, it's owned by some sort of company or somebody who's not a Christian. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this hut has pictures all around the hut of either pretty much naked or oh, at yeah. least very scantily clad woman. Right. Mm -hmm. So what my uncle does first is he turns all the pictures around so that his yeah. kids can't see them. Right. right. Yeah. He's protecting his and, people. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, the next morning, I guess the owner of the hut comes in to see how everything's going there. And he walks in and he's chatting and all of a sudden he looks at the walls and he's like, why are all the pictures turned around? Mm. My uncle, without missing a beat, he responds and he says, 
Well, it's because they were cold. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to keep them warm. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's actually funny. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. That's funny. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, he, uh, he did with that joke what a lecture from the scriptures wouldn't have done. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. In a very short moment, he taught his kids something very important. Yep. <laughs> and he, he was actually doing his duty as the, the father and protector in his household. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, uh, so the uh, humor is, as an apologetic tool is largely for the audience, mm-hmm. not for the, necessarily the man you're arguing with, though it can be. Like humor, a, a good joke can disarm. Uh, a classic example of that was when Ronald Reagan was running for president. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, uh, I think it was 1979, 1980, that year, or that election cycle. And uh, his opponent, and I forget his opponent's name, and that's the problem with being a loser. Everyone forgets right. your name. His Mondale, oppo- I think. Pardon? I think it was Mondale. It might have been. Might have been. Anyway. I don't remember. He had made that's an, American. Yeah, he had made an issue out of, out of uh, Reagan's age. Okay. He's too old to be president. Right. Right? And he'd been hammering on this, and the news kept talking about it. He's too old. He's going to collapse. He's going to die in office. Like, it's everything that we're seeing in Joe Biden right. they thought they were going to see in Reagan. Yes. So then Reagan, they get to a televised debate, and he turns to the camera and says something to the effect of, I'm determined not to allow my opponent's youth and inexperience to weigh against him in this debate, but to take him squarely on with his idea. You know. mm. And the whole, everybody's just laughing, <laughs> including his opponent. <laughs> and the camera pans to his opponent, who's standing there laughing. And Reagan won the election right oh, yeah. there with a joke. <laughs> he won it right there. <laughs> he won it on a joke. Yeah. And uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and turned into one of, one of the uh, one of the better presidents they've had in the 20th century. So he, yeah, he won with a joke. So you can win the man, but it is usually in an apologetics context. Yes. More for the target. The uh, for, sorry for the audience. Another thing in like in the home. Uh, one of the things that. Um, like through whatever ups and downs you, you, you have in life, some days are great, some days are bad, right? You have circumstances, job losses, mm-hmm. a death. Uh, you'll have um, maybe familial troubles. Humor is, is, a, is a good way through trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, it's one of the few ways through trauma. If your children are not being raised by you in a home full of laughter... How are they going to endure sadness? Yeah. You have not prepared them for it. That's true. Right? So that's, that's an interesting point because I think, I think it was Nassim Nicholas Taleb who said, you can tell the anxiety of a culture based on the level of playfulness or the level of humor within yeah. that society. And I think that was the thing with the COVID years mm-hmm. is right away people became very anxious just yes. like that. Yes. And the way to combat... Everything and let's say that something like this happens again, the way to combat it is to be funny. Yes, and, and to have fun. Yeah, and to have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have uh, exorbitant amounts of fun. Like one of the best uh, scenes in the Chronicles of Narnia books is in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe mm-hmm. where Father Christmas comes by right. with all the gifts and everyone's mm-hmm. jolly. Then the witch comes by. Mm-hmm. And she sees the animals eating this feast, and she's like, what is going on here, right? She's very sour and very dour, mm-hmm. and she's furious that they're having fun. And then the little squirrel gets up and toasts yeah. Aslan and, 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 
and Father Christmas, right. and she zaps him and makes him a stone. When you saw that it's with hysterical. Trudeau and the trucker convoy, right? Yeah, he just hated it that yeah. everybody was having fun on the streets <laughs> he, of Ottawa. He was hey. furious, and they were having a block party. Not the White Witch. Yeah, a four-week block party he in the is. middle of the Canadian winter. <laughs> yeah, he is the White Witch, right? And now, so and the the humorless, the humorless, yes, have no courage mm-hmm. or have trouble with courage, right? Um, one of the best examples of the humorless that uh, that succeeds mm-hmm. in literature is uh, Puddleglum in <laughs> yes. um, uh, the Silver Chair. Yes, yeah. Now he's he's <laughs> he's, he's got deep underlying laughter. Puddleglum does. He does. It's deep. It's deep. It takes a lot to get out. Yes. Like like the Dutchman. Yes. <laughs> no, Puddleglum is a Dutchman. He is. He, he lives. He's a marsh wiggle. He lives in a swamp. So I mean, if, in case any of you are wondering, why are Dutchmen so tall? It's because they live below sea level, and it's necessary. Uh, but the, um, so I mean, Puddleglum is so dour that when he smokes a pipe, the smoke Smoke's goes down, down <laughs> and it curls around. And, like that's true. Yeah. So. I one time told a Dutch friend of mine that they were a marsh wiggle and they didn't know to be offended or not, but they hadn't read the story. It was actually a compliment. But um, <laughs> uh, you can, this, this, he's, he's got a deep underlying humor about him. Uh, like, and it's funny because it's masked as humorlessness. He's, he's got very dry humor, though he's a very wet persona. Right. <laughs> but because um, no matter how bad things get, he's always like, well, it could be worse. It could be worse. It could be this. I shouldn't wonder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, wouldn't, I shouldn't wonder. Right? But then he, he just keeps plodding through, right? Yes. He does succeed. He, he, he gets through. But uh, I find him funny. Mm-hmm. The, he, but, but but you need that guy. You got Puddle Glum. You got Eeyore. Yeah. You got in the that hideous strength. What's what's that guy's uh, name? I can't again? remember that guy. Anyway, yeah. The the old Scottish guy. Yeah. You do uh. need a few of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But um, if if you cultivate a uh, a depression in your home, mm. then your children how like how are they going to love the things of Christ if you're not? Yes. Cultivating that, like there's there's joy in the presence of the Lord and mocking evil in the Christian. Yes, mm-hmm. mocking it. Yeah, ridiculing like, it. A good <laughs> stripping exa- it bare. <laughs> yeah, a good example of 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 mockery that I found extraordinarily helpful was watching uh, a series of old VHS videos back in the day. You know, mm-hmm. VHS, yeah. great old technology. Um, it was I think it was Ken Ham and his seven video set on creation. Right, and he's just mocking evolution. From every ground, philosophical ground, theological ground, mm-hmm. uh, the material scientific ground, like ge- the geological record, right. other things with physics, chemistry. He's just mocking evolution. And that, that mocking was huge because I went into the public school the next year, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know, but I think my grandma wanted me to watch that video series because she knew I was going from private school to public school, mm. from a Christian environment into a pagan environment. I, it was very wise of her to put that in front of me because I go into school and the first thing they do is they push evolution on me and I'm just, I'm in stitches. Mm. Like, you, you think we evolved from monkeys? And the teacher's like, yeah. And I, I pointed at one of my classmates. Well, I can see the evidence right there, <laughs> right? And, and the class thought, he thought, that kid thought that was funny, right? Yes, right. But, uh, <laughs> well, like, growing up in Toronto, right? Like, mm. you're growing up in Toronto, yeah. which is not a great place. Anyway, um, <clears throat> yearly, as most people know, Toronto has a uh, a week long Pride Parade, mm-hmm. and I've I've never actually been to that Pride Parade, which is mm-hmm. probably a good thing. Yeah, um, probably. But yearly, 
my dad and us, we'd, we'd mock the pride parade mm-hmm. around the table every yep. year when it would happen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it was funny. <laughs> yeah, the, the the knowledge that sets itself self up against Christ, it's vain. It's puffed up. Mm. So called knowledge, and it takes itself very seriously. Very seriously, and there's nothing that the devil and his servants hate more than being made fun of. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they use mocking on us. It's an ungodly mocking, mm-hmm. but they they use it. And there are, there of course is um, there's a place for self mocking. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, Tim Hawkins is a good example of a fellow that engages in self-mockery mm-hmm. for our sakes. Right. He makes fun of us, right, in the church. Good. That kind of a thing is good for us to do, to correct us, mm-hmm. to keep us from vanity and pride, to keep us from being too serious, yeah. too straight-laced, too incapable of fun. Yes. Right? But th- the enemies of God hate being mocked, mm-hmm. and they hate hearing the laughter of God's saints. Yeah. So what we need then... Um, <clears throat> what we need, you you spoke much earlier in this in this mm. podcast about the uh, about humor mm. being the uh, those are the prophets of the age. Yeah, the, the we comedians. we need such prophets. We do, and we, I- we need people who are not just uh, like like Tim Hawkins is a funny man. Yeah, he's funny, but he's a funny man, but he's a safe kind of funny. Yeah, he's not he's not like Aslan where he's dangerous. What he needs to <laughs> what not just him, but what what we need. We need yeah, are funny people that are dangerous. That are dangerous what? and that are actually attacking the idols. Exactly. And, of our day. And yeah, the thing that, that's a good thing. That the, would be a good thing. And I think that the there it's starting to happen. Yeah. Um Doug Wilson's Doug books. Wilson is the guy. He, so, he's he's the leading edge of that as far as I can tell right now. Yeah, so the Cuz he's really quite funny. Yeah, he is. And the uh, so I mentioned earlier that the apologists for modern secularism and all the isms are guys like Rogan or Burr or Chappelle. Yeah. We in 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 the Christian context, yeah. the men that occupy the same space are men like Wilson. They're pastors. Pastors. Pastors with podcasts and books, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so like so, some of Wilson's books that are really mm, really good. Yes. Along those lines uh, are some of the novels that he's written. He's written yep. some really good <laughs> novels that you can get through in a couple hours or three hours. Yep. Uh, even Jellyfish. That's a good one. Was a magnificent book. Ride uh, Sally Ride. Ride is Sally Ride funny. is painfully funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that the one about the guy who marries a, a sex doll? Well, the neighbor marries a sex doll, yeah. and uh, and it's written and by a pastor. The, the hero, <laughs> the hero. Uh, is being forced to interact with this person as though they're real. Yeah, and he stuffs the he stuffs her in a in a garbage compactor somewhere. Yeah, and then gets charged for murder. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's really an. It's also prophetic. Story. Yes, yeah. um, he also and the amount of scorn that Wilson has taken for writing that book. Oh, is uh, <laughs> I'm just like, well, that's exactly the point he was trying to make. Yes, like. <laughs> this, this book is prophetic. <laughs> like um, you can you can go to jail for in in certain parts of this world for uh, failing to you know recognize the pronouns or yeah. whatever. Right? Yeah. Uh, he he wrote a book earlier in his career called The Serrated Edge, mm-hmm. which is a defense of biblical skylarking. Mm-hmm. Um, get it and read it. Yeah. Like if if you think that we are on crack here at, at uh, the Chinook podcast and that we don't know what we're talking about and we are not half so holy. Well, you're probably more right than you know. But uh, <laughs> on, on humor, we're right. You're wrong. Please get the book. <clears throat> Read that book. Mm. 
And then uh, and then Reed rides how he rides. And if anybody wonders if if Douglas Wilson is a bit over the top, right. then then you should read Luther and Cal. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> Those guys were even funnier. So uh, yeah, Luther he uh, his jokes are even too stiff for me sometimes. Yeah. But um, one of the things that he would what, what, one of the things that he was doing was he was provoking a laugh uh, in Germany, so that. Uh, the, the papacy could be overthrown in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he did it in in what we would consider to be an academic context. Uh, Erasmus wrote a book called The Freedom of the Will. Mm-hmm. And he was arguing uh, that, ba- basically arguing that God doesn't have ultimate sovereignty, that man has a part to play in salvation mm-hmm. and whatnot. That man has free agency uh, independently of, of God. Right. Which we believe that man has agency, but that man is not independent of God, right? We, we don't have autonomy, but we do have freedom. Erasmus didn't see this point. So Luther, in attacking him, uh, in the bondage of the will, in the preface, he writes that, uh, that, that Erasmus's arguments, they're like dog poop that have been piled on a silver platter, <laughs> right? So it's a terrible argument well presented, right? Now, if Luther, now you're, yeah, you're laughing because it's funny, right? You're like, oh, that's a steaming pile of dog poop on a silver serving platter, like, that's funny. Uh, but if he had said, you know, uh, well, you know, Erasmus has a very uh, flowery elocution, a marvelous use of language. His diction right. is perfect and his punctuation great. But what he's saying is really terrible, and here's why. You've lost everyone. Yeah. But the minute he says it's steaming dog poop on a silver serving platter, everyone is like, wow, Erasmus is done. You know, lights out. That's a TKO. That's a first-round walk-off knockout. We're done. We get it. And everything else that Luther had to say about it, now everybody's listening. Mm-hmm. But if he'd, uh, if he'd have launched into it very serious, like, we wouldn't be laughing about it now. Right. 500 years later. Now, mm-hmm. now did Augustine use humor? Oh. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember hey. any oh. examples of yes. this. Yes. I have a great one. Okay. okay In the okay. city of God. Okay. Now, the setup for the city of God uh, you've got the fall of Rome, or one of the falls of Rome, <laughs> and uh, a bunch of people are going around saying, oh, it's because we've abandoned the old pagan gods for this new Jesus God. We need to go back to paganism. That's what Rome's strength was. And so Augustine attacks that. He's like, this is nonsense. Your gods are garbage. And so the first part of the city of God, he attacks Roman gods. So one of the jokes that I, I find I appreciate the most is that uh, at one point, and he's going through them God by God, just demolishing them. And, and it's very funny throughout. But the one he's like, and you you Roman pagans, you've got um, you know, these strange, you've got three gods for the marriage ceremony. One to marry the, the bride, another to carry her across the threshold, and the third to bed her. And we Christians are real men and need no such divine aid in bedding our wives. Mm-hmm. And it's hysterical. <laughs> it's in the middle of the city of God. Go find it. Yeah, it's, oh man, I love it. <laughs> yeah, all right. That's so, hilarious. <laughs> and and thus we shall get canceled by our evangelical brothers. Yeah, right. but uh, <laughs> yeah, Augustine and Calvin and oh. Luther would have been a scandal in the modern day. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they would have, and uh, that's our problem, not theirs. Yes, exactly. Uh, yep. They 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 were better men than we. So, um, but yeah, Augustine he made flamboyant use of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are other uh, there are other cases where church fathers, when deconstructing pagan uh, idolatry, did exactly the same thing, and they're they're running in the same line as Elijah, mm-hmm. Isaiah, Ezekiel, yeah. 
Hosea. They're running in that tradition. So, all right. So well, if you want the devil to flee from you, wow. Fart. Yeah, as, as what, <laughs> according to Luther. According to Luther, yeah. <laughs> fart jokes were, were the way to go. Um, so what we what we do hope for you, dear listener, uh, brother and sisters, that you would learn to enjoy uh, the laughter of God mm-hmm. and laughing with Him uh, and at yourself. And at all the foolishness that is laughable in this world. All the laughable foolishness. Indeed. And uh, I could uh, I could wrap it up perhaps yes. with a with a quote, mm. um, a quote from a fellow who uh, some of you might recognize. His name is Jack Handy. Ah. Uh, let's try this one. He said, "Let's see how this joke goes." Uh, it is. It takes a brave man mm. to cry in public. It takes a braver man to laugh at that man. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> Cour- courage and humor. They so, are connected. so would you laugh at me if I cried in public? Oh, most certainly. Oh, we try. Yeah, well, I, I guess depending when it's over, right? Well, it, it depends. <laughs> okay, now what are you la- what are you crying about, right? I mean, <laughs> if 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 it's because of petulance and rage and anger, yeah, yeah, I'm laughing. Now, if if we're we're if we're attending a funeral for a mutual friend, I'll give you a hug, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if if you know your your kid's acting up, and then you got mad about it, I'm laughing at you. It's just because that's funny. Like you're being silly. Pull it together there. Yeah, yeah. Pull yourself together, man. All right. Well. <laughs> Let us pull ourselves together and wrap this up. Yes, indeed. Uh, it's been a delight to talk with you folks today. Uh, we want you to make sure you hit subscribe. Mm. and uh, Like and share. And like and share our podcast. We're uh, delighted to be able to sit and to converse about these things. And it's our desire that the Lord would take what we do and use it for his glory and that by his spirit, he would move in our area, especially in Western Canada, mm-hmm. but around the world. We know that it is Jesus' intention to win the world, and he's going to do, do so through us. Mm-hmm. Don't take yourself too seriously, yep. but do take Jesus very seriously. He really is the king, yep. and you need to honor him. May the laughter of God be in your heart and on your lips. Amen. Amen to that. Amen. And remember, if you're not laughing at the joke, you're the joke. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. All right. right, Bye-bye. Cheers.